When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good day, everybody. How the hell are you? Hope you had a great weekend. Many of you have the day off, bastards. I wish we did. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew on Twitter. It's at J Cameron Show. It's what we'll roll out for you today. It'll be a little fun. Um, had a long conversation with Andy Staples today about... Florida State, the ACC, the schedule, a lot of stuff in there. Figured we'd want to use it here as well. So we will, in the second segment, Tom and I'll catch you up on the weekend that was before going to that. And then, of course, Irish Chappelle will join us in the second hour as usual, even on President's Day, buddy. That's right. So good times and good to see all of you guys filing into the chat as usual. We appreciate it. Good weekend indeed as um, – Florida State gets the baseball season started right. Yours truly in attendance for both games and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Although yesterday's, Tom, uh, not as cold as where you are, but chilly to sit. uh, The second game I sat kind of to the right of home plate on the first baseline. And, um, yeah, man, I'm a pampered media member who's used to the creature comforts of the box. And uh, I had to get back in it with the people. And feel that cold and feel that breeze come hit you in the second inning. And even worse yet, when it's, uh, you know, 9-1 to one in the fourth and you're like, okay, how much more baseball do we need to see this afternoon? <laughs> Good times, though. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Uh, how long did you stay? How many innings? How uh, much of the beatdown did you watch? I got day? through the seventh and I took off. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, listen, there's no reason to watch uh, anything beyond 15-1. to one. Uh, although I did certainly go back, uh, I wanted to see some of the younger pitchers who came in bullpen struggled a little bit there with the young guys getting in some cases, their first looks. And, um, you know, you can feel that, right? You can feel the pressure of it being a game because I saw link afterwards was a little frustrated that some of those guys weren't as accurate as, as they had been. They weren't able to locate the way they had in scrimmages prior when they got their opportunity, the pen overall for the weekend that was, 
Four innings pitch, four hits, four runs. Three of those were earned. Four Ks, five walks. Um, you know, again, they had a bunch of arms that they tried to run out there. I will say there were some real moments this weekend. I let's just start, Tom, with Leiter uh, in the Friday game. Saturday gets washed out, unfortunately. But you know, if you, you I had heard great things about what we were going to see and how competitive he was, and I wanted to see every one of his pitches and did, and. You know, five innings, no runs. You give up one hit, two walks, and 13 Ks. That'll work. That'll work. Uh, I mean, the one spot that he revealed just how competitive he was, he'd gotten himself into a little bit of trouble. There was a moment with runners at first and second, promptly struck out the next two batters. And, and you know, that's what you want to see. You've got an overmatched team, but his stuff really played. And, I thought when he worked in the breaking ball there to go with that fastball that he was running up there at 96, that that was impressive stuff. I also thought on the weekend, it, Carson Dorsey, man, uh, this is going to get interesting. Uh, that kid was throwing hard, harder than I think they thought he was going to throw based on the scrimmages he's been in. Um, 94 to 96 from the left side out of the pen, uh, that will play anywhere it will actually not just play it'll dominate it'll dominate if that's what he's going to be they've lengthened the lineup uh from a hitting standpoint they appear to have more pitching certainly than they had a year ago uh and so let's just see where this goes but it's a great first weekend and hey can you believe 11 to nothing I mean really 11 to nothing it's 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 just amazing and I thought it was uh, touching. I just think it was touching. It was just nice to see. And I, you could tell they were all kind of like, really? <laughs> 11 to nothing. I mean, it was just a bizarre thing. Um, and then, by the way, Arnold was awesome yesterday. So, just, just so so much to like about what that was over the weekend, seeing baseball again and seeing them play well. But, Tom, in person, for the first time in eons, I can report to you, they're big. They're big guys. We don't look like a bunch of tiny people running around trying to play a big boy sport we've got grown-ass men playing baseball these buck 80 bums we've been rolling out there for years this is nice i was like here we go we got some dudes that look like they got a little something to them how's that for your non-scientific approach to baseball i was like look at that that guy's got some ass to him hey look at that guy right there that's a real tricep. Look at that guy. He's broad, shouldered. Look at this. It was a thing of beauty. I couldn't believe it. We don't look like a bunch of children. Well, that does matter, not as much as football. But, you know, we did that judgment Mike Norvell's first year with the tour of duty before COVID shut the world down, and it was not impressive. And he thought, I, I thought, this team better have one hell of a chip on its shoulder. And it better be so detail sound it's ridiculous yeah, in order for them to have a that's, chance. That's no way to be, buddy. No, no. And, and baseball is not a contact sport that way, like football is, but it does matter. And when you do bring in athletes who are going to get drafted, that's what they look like. I thought, you know, of all the things, Leiter is number one. Uh, he did what he is supposed to do against a, a team as bad as Butler was last year. We'll see what they are this year. Sure. I thought Arnold was impressive yesterday because that was a really tight strike zone. That was a that very was a tight, tight strike zone, like uncomfortably tight. Like, hey, sir, this is college and it's cold. It, it, and it would be a tight zone for the MLB, too. I mean, it was tough to navigate and he made the adjustments. He had to aim a little bit at times. You could see that. 
But I just I like the poise to be able to and use a, a word from eleven that is uh, forever enshrined. If he had like three or four catchphrases, just poise. Poise would, would be, be a good one. one. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yesterday, that you just you handle your business, you move on. That zone won't be that tight all season long. But I, I was very impressed with that. You navigate through the innings and through a couple of jams because you're getting squeezed. But everybody was getting squeezed. Yesterday. Yeah. Well, imagine this: you have that tight a zone, you still only give up two hits. Arnold only gave up two hits. Struck out nine. Didn't walk anybody with a really tight zone. So I thought he was really good yesterday. And then I, I, the other part of that, I mean, obviously you guys could do the math. You combine what I just said about Arnold with Leiter. You're starting pitching this weekend in the opening weekend of the year. Gave you 10 innings. Gave you uh, a grand total of, uh, what, two walks from the starters total. Uh, 22 strikeouts. Uh, zero earned runs. I mean, that, that's just your starters. Now, you had 22 strikeouts alone on Friday. You know, Tom, they didn't record a ground ball out on Friday. So somebody asked me later on, hey, um, how much better is the defense? I said, nobody knows. Nobody knows. They struck out 22. They struck out 22, and the rest were pop-ups. How? I have no idea. <laughs> it was crazy. They've got options, but uh, it looks like it's still going to be a work in progress there. Uh, our, our third baseman is all world at the plate. Still looks a little uncomfortable at times in the infield. The middle defense, they're rotating through a bunch of dudes to figure out what the answers are. I saw one nice play up the middle. Uh, that was yesterday's game. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was, were two There were two nice plays up the middle yesterday, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it may still be the weak point of the team, but it looks like there are fewer weak points for this team. So far, that's a team you should destroy, but that looked like what Florida State would do if Florida State was operating the way it should to a, to a program like Butler. Big boy over at first base. We got a grown man over at first base, Tommy. I'm telling you. By the way, Cantu got screwed this weekend. That kid, he's the giant that I'm talking about. He but he hit the ball on the screws, I mean, like six times this week, and he can't catch a break. That foul be exactly right. That foul ball still hasn't landed. He hit a ball beyond the circus tent, and, and it was foul, and they challenged it, and there was no reason to challenge it. I was laughing. They're like, oh, really? We're going to look at that? It's it, where I was. I could see it directly. I'm like, no, it is foul. But anyhow, he did hit it a mile, and then, you know, you had the obligatory strikeout on the next pitch because that's what happens when you hit a home run 480 feet and it's deemed foul. You just don't – your heart's not in it. It's the it's the law of baseball. I've never seen a guy actually buck up and square one up again. It doesn't happen. Uh, so there was that. But he also had a ball hit off the handle. Like he's getting – he's about to get drilled and he turns and he hits the handle. He's like, Really? Okay, oh, this is where everything he did absolutely square up was at somebody or foul. Reminds me, the long, I think the longest home run you saw was Jim Tomey, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and you've seen some long home runs. We were talking about this on the phone the other day. You saw Salta Lamacchia hit a 450-footer. Against the Phillies, uh, straightaway center, grand slam, in fact, in the first inning. I, mm -hmm. I was I, That thing still hasn't come down. That was a monster. I was sitting behind home plate. I go, As soon as he hit it, I gasped. I went, ooh. <laughs> in 2005, I saw Piazza's last home run in Shea Stadium, and it's hard to picture because it doesn't exist anymore. But he hit it over the key span sign, which is next to the bleachers in left center. Mm -hmm. And he went over the key span sign. It's the longest home run I've ever seen. But the longest home run that was foul was Mo Vaughn, who could, when he connected, just oh. do things like better than Cantu even did yesterday. I was in the old Yankee Stadium, right field upper deck. I was like, all right, here we go. I was in foul territory. <laughs> We're 25 rows up in that upper deck. It's short out there. He hit it 15 rows over our head. I mean, that thing yeah. must have gone forward. It was like Josh Hamilton uh, in the home run derby. Man. He hit it that far. 
but it was a foul ball, much like Cantu's yesterday. But I was I was laughing because uh, Marty uh, Knowles fan in the chat at 11.05 a.m. posted that. So he was so impressed with Cantu's foul ball, he got here two hours early to post in the chat that it still hasn't landed. It was a monster shot. By the way, Cam, I see you in the chat, and I'll let you know you're staying alive. Sounded great. Now, I was in attendance, so I don't know if uh, the people listening on the radio heard it as well, uh, but I'm, I'm assuming they did. Terry, I don't know whatever happened to Democratic Edward, but I always loved him, and if he's around out there, doff of the cap to you, Democratic Edward. Uh, yeah. It's funny how baseball works that way. You remember the home runs that you saw that took your breath away. Tomei hit a, I, more than one that I saw. One of them was in spring training down at the old Al Ang in St. Pete above the batter's eye out in straightaway center. You remember that big-ass batter's eye over the 400-foot marker out there? And he cleared the top of that, uh, and I, <laughs> that was that was something to behold. Uh, yeah, good times. Listen, we got a long conversation. You're going to like this. I want to comment on it further on the other side of it. I think things are going swimmingly for Florida State and where this is all going to end up as far as being an asset that gets gobbled up by either ESPN or Fox and, and getting big boy money from the big boy trough that we need to to really kind of continue to further the quest to, to be uh, a dominant football program again. Uh, Andy Staples uh, reached out to me this morning and wanted to interview me. And so we, we had a nice conversation. And I think it's on a President's Day where we're relaxed. Hey, why don't we have this? Want to bring it to the table. Good times. I think this is good information for the show. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm -hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. All right, we'll be looking at split here. We've got to get straight to the interview. It comes in mid-threat, uh, mid-stream here. So I did want to introduce it. Um 
It was an article that came out. Matt Baker wrote it uh, over the weekend, or maybe it was on Friday, and it, I think it was Saturday, and it had um, an interesting passage in it where it was kind of pointed out that perhaps there's room for negotiation here, which is uh, kind of telling. And he wanted to talk to me about that and all the additions, obviously, uh, to Florida State's roster. So that took place this morning at 8 a.m., and it's now on the JCS Today at 122. Here you go. I to talk about what happened Friday, Jeff. Like, is it possible the ACC is willing to negotiate with Florida State? Seems like it. Um, I, you know, Andy, listen, I think you and I, since the beginning, have kind of felt like at some point that's what would happen. And I'm not mm-hmm. a lawyer, and I try to read into page upon page upon page of the filings at this point. And you do get a sense that, although it's vitriolic, although there's a ton of pettiness involved in all of it, um, you understand that that is the legal wrangling. That is the stuff that they have to do. And one side will submit their reasons for dismissal, and then the next will do that within the respective states. But I do think that's where this is headed, and I think that's where Florida State always wanted it to head. Uh, There was no way they were going to fight to get out if they thought that they were going to legitimately have to pay 500 plus million dollars to do so i don't believe they ever intended to do that i don't think that the courts would uphold that they don't either and i think at some point that leads to a negotiation yeah so here's what it said in the in the filing this is it's interesting because what the acc was filing and this is remember there's two cases there's one in north carolina that the acc filed there's one in florida that florida state filed so this is in the one in florida and the acc submitted this early friday afternoon and it's, it's basically saying, here's why the case should not be tried in Florida. It should be tried in North Carolina. And then a couple of other arguments, which are actually kind of interesting and, and probably support the ACC's argument. Like they've spent a lot of time saying, well, Florida State took delivery on the deal. They took the money these past eight years from the contract. So therefore, it's not the rotten deal that they say it is. But here's the little nugget. And, and shout out to Matt Baker from the Tampa Bay Times who found this first and, and put a story out immediately and, and really good job alerting everybody to this. This is the, this is the clause in, the, in that little, in that argument. There's 40 pages of filing. Yeah. But this is the paragraph yeah. that, that is the most meaningful. If Florida State wishes to regain control of the rights, this is the TV rights, before the end of the term, it could attempt to repurchase them. But having to buy back a right which was assigned is not a penalty. It is simply a commercial possibility. What a turn of phrase. A commercial possibility. So if you were to have a commercial possibility, then you could conceivably have this much money, and this is the amount we'll take. Now, you mentioned $500 million, Jeff. When Florida State filed its initial complaint, its attorneys estimated it would cost $572 million, which is the the exit fee from the ACC plus what they assume to be the cost of the TV rights through 2036. So where do you think Florida State's mind is at in terms of what what a fair dollar figure would be to get out? Well, you know, it's interesting uh, to to speculate – I have an idea based on conversations that I've had with people behind the scenes in the past, but I will tell you this, even without speculation, they've thrown around numbers and open conversations and open dialogue. In fact, at one point, Peter Collins, 
uh, chair, uh, department chair, said that uh, basically, um, chair of the board of trustees, sorry, uh, that if this were only $150 million, Florida State would have left already. So oh, yeah. we, know they, we know they'd pay $150 million. Uh, so he basically all but admitted that. I, Andy, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 250 million dollars i think if, they, if if tomorrow they knew that was the number and they could be free to negotiate with either the big 10 or the sec uh and 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 move on from the acc i think they would do it well and and i think this also sets up something else interesting because like they didn't have to put this in to this filing this did not have to be submitted in a public document which is it's a public record and because if I'm Clemson or if I'm North Carolina and I have the same goals as Florida State, I've just gone about it a different way. Now I'm looking at it like, okay, what do we have to do to negotiate this? And well, I, I would assume the ACC knows that. Yeah, and I think it's odd that if the ACC – listen, Andy, if Florida State leaves the ACC and it opens the door, as you're suggesting, for North Carolina and Clemson to do the same, the conference dead in the water. Uh, you know, there have been people that said the conference is dead walking around, just doesn't know it yet. I mean, this is a, I thought that this would go to the bitter end to some extent, because I think that the ACC has hinted as much that losing FSU at this point or North Carolina or Clemson, if you'd like, it's just that mm -hmm. Florida State's been the most aggressive is akin to dissolving the, you know, the, the contract with ESPN Who, who's signing up for that television contract without your major players. Yeah, and, and the only thing I can think is they're looking at this as a as a potential cash infusion. Like, if they could get $300 million from each school, which is a lot mm -hmm. of money, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second because it's yeah. not as much as you think right. in the grand scheme. Right. That's basically, if it's those three, that's basically a, almost a billion dollars cash, which time value of money, if you handle that properly – you can keep the corpse of that conference afloat for quite some time. But to what end? I mean, what are, you know, I, I, it's interesting. You're right. You could. It certainly does not become the viable asset to ESPN or to anybody else negotiating a, a long-term television deal down the line without a Clemson, without a Florida State, or without a North Carolina. You're right. It just becomes an also-ran conference, which is what I thought this was this was about that we were going to get to a place where, um, I, I, and I never, listen, we can go down this road. You and I talked about this a lot. I, I, Jim Phillips never, in my opinion, seemed to understand the way this was going to play out and how aggressive his competitors were. And yeah. uh, that, I think, has there was a little neat naivete there. Uh, he, he wanted to believe in the greater good, and yet there was overwhelming evidence from his cohorts like Greg Sankey, that they were out for blood. This was a race to see who wins the conference war. And, you know, to Sankey's credit, he has lobbied on behalf of the SEC around every turn. He has struck the better deals, and he has taken the opportunities where PR uh, advancements could be made to do so. And Jim Phillips kind of calmly told everybody things were going to be fine in the ACC, and we believe that uh, uh, where we stand is rock solid. I don't know that he believes that. I don't know that the ACC believes that any longer. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think you're putting that into that filing if, if you believe that. I think you're you're now preparing for the inevitable. And it, it's so interesting to me, Jeff, because you, you've 
dealt with this conference for a long time. Mm. Jim Phillips' successor, John Swafford, was perhaps the best at that clandestine cutthroat, go get what you got to get. Or Think about this. If John Swafford acts like Jim Phillips did and Mike Trangizi acts like John Swafford did, the Big East would be a, a power conference in football and the ACC probably wouldn't even exist right now. Like that was that, – that the ACC exists because John Swafford recognized that football was going to drive the train and went and got what they needed to survive. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this, Andy, though, where this thing turned for me, and and I, we agree to some degree on that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a factual statement you just made. There are some other missteps along the way from John Swafford. Oh, yeah. Many who are the pro football people, and I'm talk, not talking about professional po- football, people who yeah. saw that the ACC needed to hitch its wagon to football and not basketball, wished that he had made prior. And there are some dubious deals that were made that were pointed out in the last countersuit by FSU, which, by the way, when they did that, it, it, the gloves were off in a way that the, the, the genie can never go back in the bottle. I mean, you attack the man's son and his legacy. At that exactly. point, we are done dealing here. There is never going to be a negotiation at that point, I wouldn't think. But, it, you know, these things get ugly, and it got really ugly at that point. When I read through that and saw John Swafford's name mentioned as opposed to the ACC, and when I saw his son's name brought up, I thought, oh, well, they're done. They, they have decided to go for broke here. Yeah. Well, and, and what's interesting about this, and I think the reason the, the negotiation part is, is brought in, although I, I still wonder why it was brought in now instead of much later in the process. But <laughs> I don't know that they want to get too much further down the road with this thing. They probably don't want a lot of discovery because that could be embarrassing for both parties. Correct. But – if it were to go to trial, ultimately, the potential ending could be disastrous for both parties. Because if the court says, no, the grant of rights is completely enforceable, and if you want to get out of the ACC, you owe 500-something million dollars, mm-hmm. well, that's non-starter for Florida State. The, op- the other option is the court says the grant of rights is not enforceable at all, and Florida State, you can walk away for nothing, which is a disaster for the ACC. So neither party wants to risk going to trial here. But, but let's talk about the, the number. Because $300 million is the one I keep coming back to because it feels like it's sort of the between point mm-hmm. between the two poles. But it's also, let's say, and this is a negotiated one, because like if, if, if Florida State were to prevail at trial, then they're – withdrawal from the ACC would be retroactive to last year. They could conceivably be out in time for 2024. That doesn't logistically make a lot of sense. But let's say they negotiated an exit for 2025 and it costs $300 million. And they had, they wound up in the big 10. If let's just hypothetically, you're going to make probably 40 million more a year there than you would make in the ACC. And so you have 11 years to pay off this mortgage of $300 million. Right. Here you go. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. probably going to make a tight, a, a lot, a little bit of a profit, like a little tiny bit more once, you know, cause there'll be interest and maybe it's private equity paying the, paying the freight up front. We'll see, but you, you're probably going to make a little more if you did that. I think 
Yes, there is a magic number, Andy, and I don't know if it's three hundred million on the nose, but I think it's fair to speculate on that number for the reasons that you just laid out. I, it is fascinating to watch uh, this. I, I have learned over time. You have too, from watching the ugliness of lawsuits and parties who have a lot to gain and a lot to lose. They will say and do almost anything uh, within reason, but I also know that the start of these negotiations eventually. Um, are all on behalf of what they know, that, that what's at risk, like you're saying. Yeah. The idea that Florida State could walk for nothing is a very real thing. The idea that Florida State could lose and have to pay 500 plus million is a very real thing. It's percentages. And I think for Florida State, they've never believed that a court would believe that 500 plus million dollars uh, to exit uh, was fair. They would view that as being overly penal. And I think they have evidence to that end. I mean, I think you've watched courts have a hard time with what would be deemed egregious penalties financially for for and, and enforcements of grant of rights in the past. So I, I think they knew that we would be entering a stage similar to the one we're discussing right now the second they filed the lawsuit. I wonder, I thought the key play long ago was the open board of trustees meeting in which they began to discuss a path to leave the ACC and they noted that it was untenable to stay. The second they said that, you knew what their strategy was, what their efforts were going or headed towards. And this was all inevitable. And I just never thought that they would pull the trigger as quickly as they did. But once they did, I thought they knew they must have a path to negotiation or an outright exit yeah and then the other thing is people keep asking about do they have a landing spot i find it very hard to believe that they would do all of this without some idea that there's a landing spot i tend to think the big 10 is the spot if it because because the big 10 would want to move into that territory yeah i'm more curious because I, I want your opinion on this it's an interesting interesting discussion the big 10 would want to plant a flag in the sec's backyard they would want to grab correct it. it could if it would make sense if it's all out war and it's fox versus espn let's say would you not at that point you'd have a, a country-wide conference obviously as opposed to a regional conference in the sec so you would have florida state north carolina clemson potentially miami i don't know if they'd go that route or not but for the Big Ten. So now we're going coast to coast and you got all the Midwest to boot. Um, I would think the counter to that is with the ACC on the verge of dissolving that ESPN doesn't re-up and we have to know that by 2026, right? right. 2025. Um, so I would think at that point, again, SEC, ESPN, Big Ten, Fox, no matter others' feelings, commissioners' feelings, athletic directors' feelings, at some point you would want to counter that move buy Fox in the Big Ten if you were ESPN, especially since the ACC will no longer be an asset. And wouldn't you say, you know what, guys, look, this isn't going to – you can be mad if you want to be, if you're Florida or anybody else. We're taking Florida State so that the Big Ten doesn't get them. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I would think is the the encroachment on the territory piece. Like that's where Clemson would, would probably find a home in, yeah. in that situation. And Florida State would be the same thing. And I think – I think the part of the, the part that makes this more interesting is ESPN and Fox are about to go into business together yes. with a streaming service. Like yeah. that, that's where you wonder. And oh, by the way, Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, the two commissioners, just formed an advisory group 
So all of this is all happening at once. On mine, Andy, you know they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like I feel like all of this is related, and like I, I, I don't think you can make a deal for the because they, they want to make a deal for the college football playoff, like a new TV deal that extends beyond the twenty twenty five season. I'm not sure they can yet because I don't think they know what these conferences are going to look like. Correct. Correct. I, I you're you're right. I think. And you were just talking about it before I came in and, and joined you. I think that's right. I, I, I continue to hear rumblings from from teams from other conferences saying, well, or, or commissioners of other conferences saying, whoa, 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 we can't have a deal. We don't know who the players are just yet. We can't have a deal if we don't know who's where. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating. And I do think this is all related and connected. And, and you know, once – these moves have begun to fall like dominoes, Andy. Go back to the lawsuit and then watch what's happened since then. And I'm not saying it's solely because of the lawsuit. I think we were moving inexorably towards this. But, I mean, this this is where we were going. And right now it's about divvying up the assets and deciding who's going to play ball and who's not, who wants to be part of this and who wants to go somewhere else and maybe play, for lack of a better term, a lesser brand of football. I mean, I, the pieces are on the board. There are a lot of assets still to be claimed and fought over here. Once that's done, I think we know um, it's not like relegation, but I think we're going to find some teams don't want to play big boy football or this brand of football. They don't have the investment or they, they don't see that as their future, and others still do. And clearly Florida State, along with North Carolina and, and Clemson, are huge assets to uh, any television deal that you're going to make long-term involving playoff and or uh, Super Leagues. Well, especially if you're going to, to a giant league where – most of your games are going to be in that league, mm -hmm. most if not all, and you're going to stay in that 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 ecosystem. You're not going to play much outside the ecosystem, and that's that's the thing that I wonder. Like, are we? How close are we to the to the SEC and the Big Ten being it? And it feels closer than ever now. It's funny. I remember having a conversation with an attorney who's kind of connected to the big workings of college football, you know, these guys, Andy, and he was saying, you know, cause we were Florida state fans were, were like wringing their hands about what to do, where to go and, and how soon could we get there? And we're talking about the value of these assets, just solely looking at programs as assets. And at one point he turned to me and said, you know, this is all hand-wringing. Don't worry about it. Eventually, it's just going to be the SEC and the Big Ten. That is to say ESPN and Fox. And eventually, they'll join forces too. So Florida State's going to have a landing spot. Don't worry about it. That's that, He said that to me over a year ago. <laughs> I mean, it may, but it makes sense. And and when you see everything kind of the tea leaves coming together, when you see the, the MAC commissioner saying, hey, don't necessarily believe the reports that we've agreed on a, a TV deal for the playoff right. because we don't. We haven't, and yeah, because I, I I wouldn't if I'm them. I don't know that I. Although if I I guess if I'm the the Big Twelve and and the Group of Five leagues and the ACC, I would want to sign up for that as quickly as possible to lock myself into some money before yeah. things change again. No, I, I don't the disagree ACC, with you. The I, ACC I, learned that the hard way with the with the alliance. So. <laughs> Well, you're talking about the many missteps along the way, sir. These are the things that I'm referencing when I talk about the naivete of Jim Phillips. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you, sir. I, I think we're we both know where this is going. But I oh, am yeah. I am fascinated to see who wants to be part of it, who doesn't, who's going to be invited, who's not. I I do think for Florida State fans, um, 
you know, that, that have been concerned about this. I do believe this is an inevitability that Florida State will be out. Obviously, I think 2024, they play the schedule they have. It's actually kind of a fun schedule, to be honest with you. Uh, you get to go over to Ireland if you're a Florida State fan. You get to go to Notre Dame. You get to host Clemson in Florida. You got It's a good, it's a fun schedule. Um, but after that, it's it may be the last hurrah. I, I tell people to enjoy it. It's a weird year for FSU because – they're going to be doing all the construction on the stadium. Well, they are doing, as you saw, all the yeah. construction. On oh, the yeah. This, it's all cranes in there. It's all cranes and, and concrete and empty spaces where seats once sat. And it's it's interesting um, to have this because I do believe it's probably their final year in the conference. So let's talk about that. You, this is Listen, you've been doing this show's radio longer than me, <laughs> and that's why you're better at segues than me because that is a perfect segue to the conversation I wanted to have about Florida State this season. I yeah. I was it's interesting when I was up there last week talking to some of the newcomers, talking to DJU, you realize how different this team's going to be than the one that won the ACC last year. That doesn't mean it's not going to be that good, it just means it's going to be different. And you just mentioned the schedule like that opener against Georgia Tech in Ireland week mm-hmm. 0 is tough. But the 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 start of the season Beyond that, if they can win that one, they got a nice little runway. I don't think they could have asked for a better schedule setup than the one that they got. Uh, I really think that, you know, we play the the game locally on the air. Let's guess the schedule. You know, everybody wants to know. Everybody's intrigued. Um, and we kind of laid out what I thought would happen. And I, I outside of one game, I think the maybe the Cal game, uh, we, we pretty much nailed it. Now, admittedly on the air, I said, well, this is what would be ideal for Florida State mm-hmm. if they could get this. Because of where the buys land and because the type of competition you have before your biggest games of the year, you have really nice run-ups to all the critical matchups, the, the losable games, if you will. And I do think that coupled with the speed they've added, obviously with a bridge quarterback like DJU, I think it's reasonable for Florida State fans to believe that they absolutely have a very good shot to defend the ACC title. I bring that up because I don't think they would have believed that was possible when the season ended, given what they were going to lose, given the amount of NFL potential NFL draft picks they were going to lose. It didn't seem reasonable to project Florida State to be a 10 or 11 win team. And now I think it is reasonable, the schedule coupled with what they've brought in, which is a lot, and you're right, it is a different looking team, but they have filled a ton of needs with valuable experience. And where they don't have experience, they have guys on the precipice of taking the next step or guys in the case of many of the Alabama players who were five-star recruits that were brought in by Nick Saban. So obviously you appreciate that evaluation. Now you get those guys who either performed well there or were on the verge of becoming starters there to enter your roster in valuable spots, running back, wide receiver, linebacker, uh, safety. Florida State did a good job of rating others' rosters, in particular Alabama. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like We saw Roy Dell Williams carrying balls for Alabama. Now he's probably looking at Justice Haynes going, uh, that guy's going to probably carry more than me next year, so I might need to bounce somewhere. But, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll bring up a name that made that same decision at Alabama years ago, Alvin Kamara. <laughs> like He's like, oh, Derrick Henry's better than me. I'm leaving. So yeah. that that happens. But, you know, it, it is interesting. And you mentioned, you know, Sean Murphy, Roy Dell, Earl Little, Terrence Ferguson. These are all guys that could come in and potentially play. Malik Benson. Like, you hope they can play a role. And 
do they have to be as, as good as their Alabama starting counterpart for FSU to win the ACC? No, they don't. They don't. And in some cases, they will be. In others, they won't be. I don't think it matters. I think you've just raised the floor of talent considerably. This is the area, Andy, where Mike Orvell, obviously, we know what a job he's done, and he's been paid handsomely for it. We documented how close it was that Florida State was going to lose their head coach to Alabama. Um, as it turns out, they keep him, and they sign him to a, a longer deal and, and more money. One of the things that he's done, I think, better than maybe everybody in college football is recognize how to best utilize the portal. And it's not just go and get good players. Everybody can recognize the need to do that. It's guys that fit and it's guys that fit what you need in your culture. They've had really zero disruptions in that locker yeah. room, despite the influx of so many players from outside the program. And I think he, that's the balance. He figured out the need to bring in and raise the floor of talent at FSU and do it quickly while also satisfying uh, a culture rebuild and, and and understanding how not to upset the apple cart it's it's really been quite uh, a deft touch so as the new you know the, and this may be their only year in the new acc but but the the one that intrigues me the most the stretch that intrigues me the most is they get cal at home uh i'm not as worried about that uh cal was pretty good last year with jake spavitol calling the plays he winds up going to baylor as the oc uh, so it's probably back to being a, a probably defense first Justin Wilcox team. SMU mm -hmm. in Dallas, September 28th, a week before the Clemson game. That one looks like a fun one. I think it's a great game. I, I said that was a sneaky good game. I, I, I told the, my audience that I thought if there was a, a game that you would circle as a potential upset, other than Georgia Tech, who really came on late last year and played very good football and seems to be moving in the right direction. I thought it was SMU. Um, they, they have an appetite for growing and becoming a big boy program, obviously. They've got money. They've got investment. They've got success. They've got a good coach. They had a great season a year ago, and they're hosting the game. I know that's a that's a small stadium, so we when we talk about home field advantages, you know, you don't often bring up SMU. But I imagine that that is a, a, a game that, once again, is a, a kind of jumping off spot for the, where they want to go. And so you're going to get an intensity in that stadium that you don't often see. And I, I, I think Florida State fans are excited to travel there. Anytime you get to go to Dallas-Fort Worth or something along those lines, you're excited to do it as a road game. So, yeah, that's a sneaky good game. Yeah, Highland Park's going to be hopping that day. And then, and then Clemson the week after against DJU in Tallahassee. <laughs> It's like great. the storyline is just out the wazoo in that one. It's a it's a fun schedule. This is a fun year upcoming, a fun team. They're, they're, it's interesting. DJU has come in and said all the right things, and you got to believe, Andy, that if he's got that great year in him, it's going to be this year. He's got weapons. He's got an offensive mind, and Mike Norvell is a coach. He really makes life easy on quarterbacks. So if he wants to see a tick up in that completion percentage, which is an area he needs to improve upon, he already throws the ball deep well. I think Florida State finally got a guy that will keep on the read option, and, and that's not a knock on Jordan Travis. They were trying to stay healthy there. But you got a big quarterback now in short yardage situations. I don't know how he doesn't have a very good year. I think he will. Uh, and you're right. That storyline's amazing with Clemson coming to town and DJU, who has said all the right things. He doesn't seem 
isn't he hasn't thrown anything vitriolic Clemson's way. Um, but but we all know there'll be a, there'll be a lot of emotion in that football game. And Clemson, frankly, needs that game because Florida State took back the ACC a year ago, won in overtime on the road against Clemson in what was an awesome game. And now, you know, Clemson's going to be um, obviously hungry to, to prove that that was an outlier, whereas Florida State wants to prove at least for the short term while we're in the conference uh, that it's Florida State's conference again. Yeah. And then that at Notre Dame could be a playoff elimination because, you know, Notre Dame looks at that schedule and they say, okay, we open with Texas A&M. It's not the most challenging schedule as Notre Dame schedules go, but getting Florida State in November in South Bend is not, is not going to be easy. And they're going to have to win probably both of those. I would think, and in previous years, I would have looked at the North Carolina game preceding the Notre Dame game as a problem for Florida State. I know this will upset North Carolina fans, but I don't think they're going to be very good this year. So I'm not as concerned if I'm a Florida State guy about that game before the Notre Dame game as I would have been maybe, say, the last couple of years with a first-round quarterback. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this has been fascinating, and we're probably going to be bugging you quite a bit more as, as the weeks go by because it sounds like this is this is starting to bubble. Yeah, I think it's ramping up, Andy, and I do think there'll be more meat on the bone uh, for us in, in legally. You know, we'll have to get our legal friends together and figure out what yes. it all means. Uh, I'm forever talking to too many lawyers, uh, but but you got to find got to find a, a kernel of information there that makes some sense that you can then use on the show. And it's fun to have those conversations, uh, like our friend Matt Baker did. So uh, I look forward to it, buddy. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. Whether making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy, the Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to knollretirement.com. Now, that's one word, knollretirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Figured we'd share that uh, conversation from this morning, pertinent to my audience, obviously. More pertinent even to my audience than uh, the, the national uh, that tuned in to, to that. You know what's funny, Tom? We only have a few minutes here before starting the next hour, but you're noticing a trend. I was reading an article over the weekend about what Oregon State and Washington State are attempting to do with the only chip they have, which is, is again, uh, they are the Pac-12. And so they're withholding uh, their votes <laughs> on the playoff because they, they can, right? So they, they get, they're trying to bargain something for their two member institutions. But that would fall under the umbrella of doing what's best for your school. And all of a sudden you start hearing, you see that phrase used a lot in a lot of articles, like what programs are doing, what's, best for the school like all of the other schools in that conference that left 
uh, and it's what FSU is attempting to do, and it's all just normal. It's logical. Everybody, yeah, of course, they got to do what's in their best interest. Oh, really? And meanwhile, you would listen to a clown who's carrying water for whomever it is that particular week, uh, like Paul Feinbaum, who would then somehow impugn the reputation of the administrators at FSU who are attempting to do what's best for their program and say nobody respects them because they're out for themselves and you know they look at the, what they've tried to do to that conference and they know it's just they're, they're bad actors. Really? Really? Okay. So everybody is just doing exactly what Florida State is leading the way to do. It's just that Clemson and others in the conference didn't have the courage to say, yeah, well, us too. And, and lead the fight as well. No, Florida State is leading the way because they have no choice, just as many others have already done, and nobody looks upon them poorly. Nobody looks at them as selfish. They look at them as trying to survive. And, of course, the Pac-12 didn't. Didn't survive because they, they couldn't do what was right for the whole of the conference. So those people said, peace, I'm out. You can't negotiate a deal, I'm out. We can get more into this next hour. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.